0: Augmenters, I'm Julie, and I'm Jimmy, and we know that great leaders have great mentors. And today, we are joined by Trey Cates, a regenerative leader, an entrepreneur, and managing director of InRhythm.
1: I'm just getting back from the beach, and what better time to talk about regenerative networks than watching waves continually crash, hypnotically and slightly aggressively? If you have an 18-month-old on the sand, needless to say, we're going to go through a wonderful interview with trey and i was so excited to be able to talk with him about how to connect more authentically with others around leadership trey has a different view of leadership and it's not a bad view trey has a unique view of leadership where it's not leading from the front but rather leading with your team trey also taught us how to grow to your potential Through the concept, like the framework, think big, the concept of regeneration. Think of those waves continually reshaping. And lastly, our principle for this entire episode will be evolution. Here we go.
0: Trey Cates, we are so excited to have you on Augmenters today. Welcome, How are you doing?
2: Great, I'm glad to be here.
0: We are glad you are here too. And Trey, I have been really, really looking forward to this conversation. I was telling Jimmy all about you and your incredible work. I feel like we're so aligned in a lot of the thinking that we've been doing, you are so far ahead in thinking about leadership. We are catching up slowly behind you to really think about how organizations can use this regenerative approach to leadership. So Trey is a managing director of In Rhythm. I would consider you kind of a founder of the regenerative leadership movement. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you'll consider yourself that as well, but we will give you that title regardless, and we are excited for this conversation. But our favorite way to ask guests to introduce themselves is we usually hear that mentors are someone who believed in somebody before they believed in themselves. And we'd love to hear who that mentor was for you and what they saw.
2: Yeah, great question. And I actually consider multiple people in my life that were mentors. And my first one was when I was 13 years old and incredible man, Chet Haynes was his name. And it was not it was something he saw in me, I'm, I'm sure. But it was something that was as a young man trying to figure out what does it look like for me to kind of lean into who I was becoming. He just decided that he was going to be a resource for me. For four years, we met all the way through high school, or actually from the eighth grade through I think my 11th grade, we met regularly to talk through what it meant to be a man, what it meant to be um, a leader, what it meant to be uh, in service to bigger and greater causes. And and that was phenomenal. It actually set me on a path of seeking out mentors for Mm -hmm. me from that point on. And uh, and I have done that every you know phase or stage or emerging chapters in my life, and so I could mention several. I don't know if that's we have the time to do that, but that that was my first, and uh, and I'm still in in relationship with him today. Saw him last year, and and continue to tell him how much of a incredible foundational impact he was on me and. The power of him pouring himself into me uh Mm. it was phenomenal
1: is there a certain saying or mantra that chet has
2: that often rings in your head when he's not around that's a great question i have not thought about that in years actually it's not something he would say but it was his present Mm -hmm. he was he was never busy i was never an appointment he was always incredibly present with me and Mm. And being 14 years old or 15 years old as we did this, I always was like, I never felt like I was being rushed or pushed or I had something better to do or he had something better to do. I can just see his face and just like, hey, it's time for us to talk. What do you wanna talk about? Or how do we, what things are going on? And he's was just very present. It's probably the thing that comes to mind. I love it.
0: And I hate to like even start skipping ahead, but I, just like thinking about leaders who are really present with you <laughs> and not like multitasking and also like you can tell thinking of something else, like that presence of somebody who's really listening and you are the only priority at that moment that is the it's such an incredible gift. Did that sort of set you on this path around leadership?
2: Yeah, without doubt. I mean, it was, and he sought me out. I I was so young and I actually was new. This happened to be a part of a church community that he was actively involved in. And I wasn't even there. And, There was still some really people were uh, around that community at the time were surprised that he had asked me when there were some other young leaders that he did not ask to be in that relationship. And so so there was something he saw and there was a commitment there and, and that presence that it is something I've held as a priority for me with others, both formally and informally of. If I see something, I I, I will seek it out to to be a resource to others in their own journey, and uh, and that came from Chet for
1: sure. Chet also has a phenomenal name. I mean, talk about something to say right before a handshake. You know, Chet Haynes put in there. Uh, That's right. <laughs> like that. That's phenomenal. Is there, you've mentioned you have a a list of other mentors that you have sought out and turned them from names into, you know, real meaning. Do you have a description in your mind of how somebody maybe after a time in your relationship said, hey, Trey, when I met you, this is what I saw and you, you weren't doing this yet, you weren't seeing it yet. W- was there something like that that you can remember?
2: Yeah, I think a theme that's come across all of my mentors is I am about creating the future that I believe is possible. And even early, there is there was a drive, there was a longing, there was a seeking that I think set the stage. And, and it was pretty much a theme into other relationships. And hmm. second, individual that really spent that kind of time with me, I know that that was part of what was seen. I was really motivated to to shift things as a 20-year-old. And I just needed some some support from others, in particular, those who had a little more experience, a little more wisdom, a little more insight, and to hold, a, hold space in a way that wasn't, and this is what none of them did, which I thought was phenomenal, and that's looking back on it. Is it was nothing was prescriptive. It was very principle based. And that has been and continues to be one of the strongest things in my life. That nobody told me what to do. They were it was about creating conditions for my own development, my own emergence. And, and that's just mm. incredible. Absolutely incredible. I don't remember a single one of them giving me a to-do list saying these are the five things you should do to be a leader. It was pouring themselves into who I was as a unique individual and and allowing what come out comes out of that to be uh, unique to me.
1: I really wanna ask more clearly, uh, when you said you were very motivated to shift things as a 20-year-old, for most people that would mean going to the gym and picking weights up and putting them down, but I'm guessing it was something a little different. But okay. instead, I, I wanna, you mentioned that nobody said five things, do this, become a leader. Trey, now would be a great time for you to introduce to our audience your definition of regenerative leadership and also how in a group setting, you kind of bring the topic and theme and connect people to it.
2: Thank you, I would be happy to do that. So first, let me just start off with what is regeneration uh, to me and to the communities that we're serving. It really is about an approach, which is deeply rooted in seeing everything around us through a lens of living systems or life. So the best way to look at it is what does it look like to to own a business and bring life to it? What does it look like to start a project and bring life to it? Uh, What does it look like to enable or nurture life within the things that we're a part of? So regeneration is really about bringing life to everything that we do. So when we think about leadership, we reframe leadership very specifically to be about creating conditions for people to thrive. And and when we think about that, it's not, we know for people to thrive in their workplace or in a cause that they're a part of or their family or whatever it is that they're passionate about, it's going to need to be unique to them. It doesn't and will not and should not look like it looks to me. And so for us, it's what do the conditions need to be for you to emerge into the of who you are in the context of the work you do in the world. And so we talk about leaders as condition making leaders. You know, that's what we do. You know, what we ensure that the environments, we ensure that the roles, we ensure that the activities that we're all about are in designed in ways to allow both that organization or Project to thrive and the individuals that are a part of, it. and versus the traditional uh, leadership may have been. It's not always the case. Again, very prescriptive. This is exactly what a leader looks like, and if you don't fit that bill, then you're not a leader, right? And then we we get into conversations so are leaders born or are they made, right? I think it's that that the reality of those kinds of questions is not as relevant to us because we need to be present with people who are looking to become them their full selves. And Mm -hmm. that is about creating those conditions. And leadership doesn't need to look the way that we've seen corporate leadership. Look, people can lead in all kinds of different ways. And the combination of regeneration and leadership together is individuals that are creating conditions for people to thrive and that those conditions are deeply rooted in health. And then we allow the emergence or the outcomes to just be natural outflows of that genius, of that leadership, of that work. And and that's what I get most excited about because I see potential in individuals and mm-hmm. organizations And most of that potential is sitting on the sidelines, it's not engaged. And that's because we've created the, not the right conditions for that to
0: emerge. And does it feel like those conditions really come from the leader? Like, do you really see the leader as the catalyst? And then when you talk about health, I feel like that's something that we, at least as a leader, I feel like doesn't always get talked about but is getting talked about more is how does the leader Take care of themselves to be able Mm -hmm. to take care of everybody else so are there any sort of specific ways that you kind of help create those conditions within the leader so that they're able to lead from a position of strength of sorry maybe not strength but of of health sure
2: Uh, i i would think there are a couple of things that i could kind of point out in that process I, i i'll start with the health and then work backwards from there we when we think about creating conditions We think about those conditions like soil and what do we need to do to ensure that soil is creating all of the deep rooted connections so that what emerges from that, if it's your garden or it's a, you know, incredible tree. The reality is, is all of that energy is coming because the conditions are there for that to emerge. And so when we think about health, we know healthy conditions allow for things to emerge that tend to get shut down in unhealthy conditions. We we know this. We see this in Gallup polls and everything else. The disengagement rate in organizations or groups across multiple cultures is so significant because the conditions do not exist for people to be able to bring that forward. And so for us, it's a, really about trying to shift it so that the leader itself is not necessarily it they're creating part of the conditions because part of the conditions is uh, being receptive to the reality of what emerges and you're facilitating and supporting that kind of engagement so it creates an opportunity for individuals to feel oh i am enough i can continue to work on myself without having to look at somebody else So there's a lot of reframing that I feel like a leader who's creating conditions is doing to say, I hear what you just said, but what if it was this way? What if you saw it that way? What if you weren't trying to just perform and you were trying to work on yourself uh, in that healthy way? So we are constantly looking at it from all of those angles, from the senior CEO all the way to someone who says, You know what? I'm the beginning of my career and I just got a job as a pizza delivery person. Well, what do I do and how does that show up? What does leadership look like in the work I do in the world? And part of it is just recognizing that this is a journey and that it is about creating conditions for myself to be able to live into what is emerging for me and evolving as I engage in the world. Around
1: I love it, Trey. I, I have a question. I really like getting into like words themselves and why we use them. Obviously, you know, augmenters, we like to play with words here. So talking about the word leader in its most basic sense, I think of the kids game, follow the leader. Like literally it's just the person in front. It is, you know, people follow, you know, but I'm guessing your definition is going to be more like a leader or somebody who galvanizes, augments and focuses energy. A leader is something about energy is leader st- or leadership still the right term like if you could like if if there was no you know back catalog of everybody on the internet you know already talking about words what word do you think you would use to be like hey this person from pizza delivery all the way to ceo can be their own leader or can be a leader an example for others I, i'm i'm really yeah
2: yeah actually we we in my one of my um, previous companies i had started we we actually defined our purpose as to be a life-changing community of leaders and everybody was in that category. and so i i don't have any challenge with the word leader but i do have challenge with the leader leading from the front there is context context matters for everything there may be something that I am doing right now that makes sense for me to lead from the front because I'm gifted to do that. And then there's something else that happens in the organization or in a community where somebody else's gifts are better to lead in that way. So we should see leadership as what are the, both opportunities and challenges we're having and how do we have capacity across a group of people, a community of people that allows them to step into their full essence when that group needs it versus I'm the only one leading and I'm the one who's responsible. I'm the one carrying the burden. I've got to be perfect. I've got to hold it all. And in reality, nothing in nature, nothing in a living system behaves that way. There's nothing around us that behaves that way. We all have these incredible roles and when we're needed, we get to step into it. And I happen to be in a place where there are several things I could step into. And then there are times when I need to step out and let somebody else step in. I feel like if we had that kind of demonstration of leadership, everything would change. There would be an enormous amount of capacity for people to say, there is room for me to step in versus I have to actually step out to lead because there's no room for me.
1: Hmm. I, I love that idea that you're saying great leaders need to be able to step out as a condition to be a great leader. I never thought of it like that.
0: And you think about it as it's almost, and depending upon where you are in the organization, so Eat Well Global, my company, uh, we also have leadership as one of our four core values. And we have since, the you know, practically since the beginning and it's always been like the one that we're a little bit like. Wait, one is like quality, one's integrity. It's so like you know, kind of all the. Tips. And then it's like leadership. It's like okay, well, what does that mean? Like how how is leadership in every uh, piece of the organization? And I think what we've been talking a lot about, and what I'm hearing a lot, is sort of this burnout of leaders, right? Because again, taking everything, holding on to everything, feeling like responsible for really taking charge of everything, and the word that we've been using, it's like we've been just talking a lot about delegation, like in the concrete form of. Something lands on your plate, who can support you in doing it? How can you empower them to do it? How can they be better at it than you are? How can you get yourself out of a job? <laughs> How can your team kick you like do so well that they get you out of the job? And that is when you are the true leader. But I think again, Trey, you've talked a lot about this too. Like we have this old notion, right? That we're like, you know the ceo and you have to have the answers to everything you have to be in charge of everything but how do you help others lead so i think even in concrete terms idea of delegation but of course we're here to talk about mentoring so let's hear from you trey a bit about how you see mentoring showing up in leadership within organizations
2: Yeah. I want to make one comment on delegation and then let's jump to that. Could we imagine a time where it doesn't come to us to have to delegate? Part of what I think leadership is, is creating conditions to where not everything needs to come to that leader before it then gets redirected someplace else. And I think that's part of the work we all get to do is to ensure those conditions allow for that distributed leadership that doesn't force conversations into either a single role or a single individual as a part of that process. And so I love the idea behind distribution, which to me is kind of the reframed idea of delegation and knowing that distributed leadership provides incredible resilience. And uh, and centralized leadership tends to create an enormous amount of fragility because if that person can't handle it and they're not in the right headspace when that's happening, we're funneling a lot of stuff through that individual. And I think that's the burden that CEOs and senior leadership have been having to carry for a long time. So, yeah, I just wanted to Throw that little nugget. I love that.
0: That's really helpful. That's really really helpful. So yes, I'm sorry. Mentoring. Mentoring.
2: For me, and I and this just goes back to my past. Informally, and I say I say informal because it's really a personal thing for me versus like a part of the organization is to seek out individuals that I am choosing to be in relationship with that I don't have a formal role. It is a real important and actually. There's a couple of people in our community that have come through different ways, and, and it just emerged in a real natural way. A couple of uh, individuals that I'm spending a monthly time with that I've been doing for a while, and there is no formality to it. I'm, they're not paying me. They're, they're not in a role I am choosing to, to pour myself into and be available uh, to these individuals. And, and these um, are
0: individuals, not within your organization. These are correct. individuals who have yeah fallen from the sky.
2: That's correct. They, they, <laughs> they've shown up somewhere as, as,
0: as people do.
2: Yeah. And, and I just, for, for me, part of me being to honor. It's probably the better word to honor the realities of somebody doing that with me. I just want to be able to, to do that for others. It's just like it didn't come through the normal stream of things. And I love mentoring that shows up that it's just a reflection of you wanting to support and be in a relationship with somebody else as a part of their own development. And one of the big principles for us as a part of regenerative leadership is this idea of developmental it's this Mm. idea of being able to bring developmental energy capacity in supporting people's emergence and that is for us and for me in particular so important as a part of mentoring is we are trying to in supporting people in their own developmental journey so
1: if i can do my own reframing, not necessarily on regeneration here, but on regenerative questions, Mm -hmm. Uh, I asked, you know, would you change the word leader? And I think actually I should have asked what words would you have removed from the association of leaders? Mm -hmm. And it sounds like delegation is one of those words. Is there, are there any other, you know, kind of classic, like, I don't know, jack stack, you know, business terms that you think really aren't productive for yeah. you know, storming, the
0: yeah. so like, storming the castle <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah storming the castle yeah i have to stop you there trey you'll laugh this is it's totally sequitur. but my wife's name is heather okay and she just got a text from a friend in england where there is a uh an english ale that is named storming the castle with heather <laughs> <laughs> And language an ale brewed in Ireland, of course. Now I can't think of So now Heather
0: castle. so if, if Heather was not storming the castle as the CEO, then what other what other terms? I love that question. Like what other terms would we get rid of? There's probably so many. There's so many. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I think there are a lot of terms. And most of it comes from, a, I, I haven't used this term today yet, but in what we're trying to shift, we're we're trying to shift people from a mechanistic mindset and attitude and perspective and, and design to a living design, one that really honors and in, in stewards life as a part of a process. And so all the language we use that tends to be mechanistic, I think gets in the way of our ability to to lead in this distributed way where it's really creating capacity across an entire system, organization, a community that says we need leaders in all roles. We need support in all roles. What does that look like and how do we create that kind of capacity. And when we think about that mechanistic design, it was top down. It was lead from the front. It was follow me. I know where we're going. It is tends to be a lot of male energy, which is like storm the castle, you know, follow me, duck down behind. I'm going to bushwhack in front. I'm going to lead the path. All those things forces people into being what you are being. In whatever role you're playing and doing that versus a lot of really merging different leadership is distributed and recognizing it's not all single file following one person it's coming in at angles it's coming in in flanks i mean there's all kinds of stuff because somebody can lead over here and somebody's leading over here and and we're coordinating and facilitating and supporting and stewarding those are all the languages of creating conditions versus i'm i'm just you know what i don't need you to think i don't need you to question i just need you to follow me and do what i do unfortunately the unintended consequence of that kind of design is full on disengagement or we're mimicking something that is somebody else and we feel lifeless in it because it is not me it's not you it's That person. And those are the things that I think are so important to reframe or to reconsider.
0: This is such an interesting conversation because Jimmy will remember last week we had on Admiral Mike Manizer, who was in the Navy. I mean, just like this incredible decorated top gun and hearing his stories about like, literally he was, it was way over my head. There was a lot of things I didn't understand exactly what he did, but he was really about, he was learn how to lead to win was his book. And he was very, very focused on that leading from the front. So this is so cool to have this conversation now, which I think is such a different way of looking at. We think about so many of our business terms are are obviously military terms. And I love those words that you're using that should really shift that. Yeah.
2: There's another great book General Stanley McChrystal, Team of Team, you should read that. It will give you an incredible uh, a alternative view from a military perspective on what's changing in military strategy on how you have to maneuver in complex situations. And the lead from the front, the, hey, follow me stuff, there are contexts where that can work. There's no question about it. Crisis you know, something yes. acute is happening, it's okay for a leader to say, I got to step in and do something like that, right? Uh, you're on the, you know, hospital bed and you're having a cardiac arrest. We're not going to be talking about the conditions right now. We know what the <laughs> conditions are. We are going to start doing CPR, right? It's, this is what we've got to do. Yeah. But but the majority of things are not acute. And, and we need to be able to create conditions along our normal rhythms and in rhythms namesake was what does it look like to to be in rhythm with those conditions those those life conditions Mm. so that we can have a healthy engaged thriving experience and know that in contexts where I have to make an executive quote unquote executive decision those should be anomalies they should exist but exist in very interesting and unique situations versus everything is like that.
1: You're uh, something I say all the time people, when people have told me twice in one week, oh, an emergency came up. I couldn't be on time. And I say, well, by definition, emergencies are quite rare. So they can't come up more than maybe twice in one week, once in your life. Got it. Yeah, right. Yeah. And what I just heard you say was "to follow me as a leader is when we are not in flow when the community the organization is not in rhythm so if you need to always be a follow me leader you are leading an organization that is continually in some like low level of crisis or like acute pain acute trauma and if your organization is always like that that is obviously not a healthy organization just like a body where if you're all yeah so I don't know. No, that that's spot product. on.
2: That's a beautiful metaphor to use that, but it is absolutely spot on. And I encourage us to use more of those living metaphors from the body to the planet as ways to be able to inform different language we would use to be able to do that. But it really is, if we want to narrow it a little bit more down, the acuteness is getting in our way. And I mean, you can think about Western versus Eastern medicine in some of things we are really good at trauma And when there is trauma somebody breaks a leg we know exactly what we need to do but if somebody's got diabetes or somebody's got some other issues we haven't been really good at solving some of those more systemic issues and i think it's a design issue Mm. i don't think we're creating the right conditions for us to solve those. we're Mm. so used to acute we're so used to trauma that that's the only way we behave and what does that mean and what could we do that may be different and i think we Mentoring and leading in ways that demonstrate a different posture and a different approach, I think shifts shifts everything in, in in one's experience and and their ability to develop
1: which is your very initial point about Chet in that what he gave you was presence and not being busy, every doctor. Unless you're spending 100 a hundred grand to visit, I presume, is going to be busy and rolling through, and you feel like you are in a low level crisis and develop a small headache just by going to the office with how fast things go. And yeah, you just laid it out. Of course, that healthcare system would not uh, succeed. That's right and i keep
0: thinking about energy that you brought up i think at the beginning when you were talking about chet also he saw this energy in you and this energy is what is you is you kind of you know driving driving basically towards creating things and that i know i'm very sensitive to energy you're picking up on people's energies and i think as we're talking about what being in rhythm feels like. You know, you can't like see it. It's not like, you know, you don't get like your little checkpoints and then you get 87% of being in, in rhythm, but you know when it feels off and you know when it feels right. So I'm curious and I can see how that shows up in mentoring conversations, right? When you're really like in a rhythm or you're really, your energy is connected with somebody that you're talking to and you're really hearing each other. Are there specific ways, Trey, that you have to kind of help shift that energy if it feels off or help people kind of like if they're coming at you from you know their head they're coming at you like very analytically and you're trying to kind of get them to to not be up here but to be more in their heart are there specific yeah ways that you help people kind of get into that yeah actually, the
2: the the term we use often is we need to create living structures as a way to help create the conditions so that designing of those structures and it could be You know, the times that we meet with somebody, it could be what we're saying and how we're saying it in those meetings. One of the most important things that we are really encouraging people is just to be receptive and aware of what is happening around them. So if I'm feeling something and you're not feeling it, the question is why? So we really kind of step back and say, hey, what is going on? What? Why am I sensing this? Is it just me? Maybe I'm having a day and projecting on someone. And that's me being vulnerable as someone who is providing some kind of resource to somebody else as a mentor or not. And vice versa. Somebody else Rick, is really having a rough day, right? And I could even, even – I'll, I'll just bring this up. And when we came in and you said, how am I doing? And I said – I've had a rough couple of months here, and that ability to have those conversations, to be able to follow the energy associated with that, and people can be honest and receptive and and engaged. I could even tell you're like, I want to dig in that with you, but we've got this uh, this podcast that we need to do, right? So, so and and that's the thing. So what what and how do we manage the dynamics of what is happening in the moment to be present to hold space? Because that, those are the teachable moments because we, there, there are a whole bunch of books sitting on shelves forever about how to do certain specific things. The reality is, is we've just never really slowed down because we've been you know, parts mm-hmm. in a cog in a larger system that's all about driving productivity. And all our principles are about maximize this and minimize this versus what if we're just about creating healthy conditions and letting the outcomes take care of themselves.
1: Wow. I, I was going to say that if somebody wants to visualize energy, our listeners should go on YouTube and just look at Julie's bright red glasses because that's good energy. And that is a way to know uh, <laughs> you're coming to a place where somebody wants to make sure that everybody's feeling the same thing. That is such a powerful way to talk about empathy, which is so critical in mentoring relationships without actually saying put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Because I think that. You know, that's really hard, especially in as like the focus on being inclusive is so important. It is almost impossible for most people to get into somebody else's shoes. But the idea of just it's, it's even kind of simpler than that. Just like, are you feeling the same thing as the person in the room? And if not, why? And just ask, you know, if you're really in a relationship and you care about the person across the room for you, they should reply the same way and care similarly and just be like,
0: why are
2: you feeling that way? There is something about just being human like that right
0: so <laughs> the humans humanine <laughs> Life be trey what kind of like i think this whole concept of regenerative everything i know we always have least started, most people are familiar talking about regenerative agriculture, certainly in the fields that all three of us work in. And now um, we had John Fullerton on talking about regenerative economics. And then I think this concept of regenerative leadership, especially for people listening to our podcast is a big one. What kind of resources would you recommend for people to just get started to really better understand this concept?
2: Sure. We have a just because I have lots, but I I would say on our website, in rhythm.com, there's a whole resource section fully laying out all kinds of books and podcasts and publications about what regeneration looks like. And and I'll, I'll broaden it a little bit for us. For us, it's about a regenerative society, which is why you brought up agriculture and economics. and all those other things, and that we need leadership to be symbiotic with that, uh, versus leadership is about top down, we're going to drive it, we're going to push it, we're going to pull it. And it's, it's actually in conflict with the realities of the rhythms we're trying to create in that approach. So when we think about regeneration, it's about I would encourage you know, there are some great books on biomimicry, there are great books on looking at living systems as a model versus machines as a model. Most of all our leadership, organizational, societal design looks like cogs and wheels. It is all about productivity and efficiency. And those are the two measures. If we're not productive, then something's wrong with, you know, the machine. So let's replace it. If we're not productive, you know, we're not going as fast as we want to go. So we're going to change the efficiency of what that is. For me, leadership and regeneration is about creating conditions for shifts that will be more sustainable, will be longer term and more viable when you think about multiple generations versus our next quarterly earnings. Uh, Those are the things that I think we are really encouraging. And there are several, both spiritual, indigenous, uh, organizational approaches that really align with this idea that we're living and the problems that we're addressing are complex, which means we need a different kind of leadership to be able to support us through all that.
1: So if there's one kind of cheeky person in our audience right now listening and they grab one of your quotes, that's what I'm about to tell you. Cause like sometimes when people talk about leadership and regenerative network systems, just regeneration, it's kind of like, all right, you chop off, you know, part of a reptile, it grows back, you know, like what does that mean? You have the quote on your website by Janine Baynes: "Life yeah. creates the conditions that are conducive to life." Time is a flat circle. Snake eating its tail. You know, dust to dust. What the hell are we talking about? How do you kind of bring somebody like back to no, no? You know, we're talking about humans. We're talking about capacity as organizations to lead ourselves. What's your way to do that?
2: Yeah, one of the things that we help reframe is most of our designs and organizations and leaderships about linear and straight lines which we know doesn't exist we, we act like it exists we actually report as though we knew that was going but none of that's true it's actually <laughs> yes. and this is what I tell people everything that we're about is in cycles and flows we just need to understand what those cycles are and what those flows are. and we just talked about that energy flow when we're sitting with somebody or we're experiencing it with others We also talk about cycles, and this is why I think it's so important for us as humans to to be thinking about flows and cycles. When we think about cycles, we think about birth, growth, death, and decay. There's all kinds of things happening, and that cycle of birth, growth, death, and decay that's a biological life cycle actually creates even more nutrients in the soil when that is in a healthy, healthy cycle. And I think when we think about information, organizations, decisions, If we are using that cycle, we're not going to get stuck. We're going to be seeing that, hey, this is helpful right now, but maybe it should die. And we shouldn't do that anymore. And it needs to get reorganized so we can give birth to something new. And that cycle continues to repeat itself. We, because of machines, get used to static and this is the way it is stuff. And that's not the real world. And then we force agendas. We force things to stay the same when they need to be cycling. So leadership, organizations, all the stuff we're doing is really recognizing the cycles and flows and really trying to be present with them and want the productivity, but not at the expense of the health of the system or the health of the individual. We're no less desirous of productivity, but I think we can do it with health, not at the expense of health. I
1: love how you basically just had every MBA marketing professor go, you just threw out the
0: product life cycle stages. No. <laughs>
1: That's amazing, uh, Julie. I know. You, I know you have. You no, know, really I
0: love it. Way. I know. As we're, doing, as we're doing like twenty-four planning right now, this is like exactly what I need to hear. But this also just makes me think so much of this is possible for everything. This is possible for families. I've heard of families like creating a mission statement and like. This is possible for communities and possible for, right? There's like so many ways that there are so many sort of broken systems that what you're bringing out, and it's amazing that Chet saw this uh, in you at age 13, that you not only would have these incredible sort of feelings and visions, but that you were able to actually bring them to life, which is like just the most exciting part of it. I feel that I almost want to have another conversation I don't know if we can do that a part two, really on mentoring more because I feel like we've talked so much about leadership, but really helping the leaders like have the language around how to, how to bring this uh, really to life in their organization. So we can save that for a part two, but I just feel so energized by what you're bringing. And I'm so happy that organizations are really seeing this and thriving in this, because when I think about my kids who are just going to be entering the workforce soon, I want them to be able to work with organizations, work in organizations like this versus, Uh, the old, old school, although they'll probably both be entrepreneurs, but I will, I will be excited for them to start businesses that use these principles too. And I know Jimmy has a few last questions. Let's not be
1: prescriptive. Okay. I'm not being
0: prescriptive. I'm just ready to invest. I got the checks ready. What do they need? I
1: listened to Trey. I know what you've been doing the last hour. (laughs) Why are you feeling differently than me
0: right now? (laughs) (laughs) We can talk about it in the
1: outro. I have a really quick rapid fire word association game I like to play with everybody that comes on the show. Just four words. I'm going to say the word and you just fire right back to me. There's no wrong answer. So if I say the word mentor, what comes to mind? Me. If I say the word mentee, diversity. I was waiting on you, but I got it. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I was almost like I was starting to write you. And I was like, oh, no, wait. I'll wait. If I say sponsor, Support. And lastly, the word coach.
2: Condition maker.
1: That's fantastic, Trey. I have a lot more questions, but I think I'll wrap up there with, uh, I hope more of our listeners, when they hear the word mentor, they think me as well.
0: Mm-hmm. That could right. be our mission. And Trey, we'll definitely, uh, of course, uh, highlight your website and some of the resources. Is there anything else you'd want to share with listeners?
2: No, just pleasure one? to, yeah, pleasure to be with you all. Thank you for having this platform and just the opportunity to share.
1: Regenerative Augmenters, here we go. (laughs) Julie, is your brain on fire right now?
0: Totally, 100%. It has been every time I've ever talked to Trey. And I am so excited that leaders like Trey, like John Fullerton, who we had on before, who is like Mm -hmm. really out there talking about this concept of regeneration, In everything, of course, you and I both working in the food industry, we know regenerative agriculture obviously is so hugely part of what we talk about when it comes to doing sustainable food systems. But the idea of regeneration in everything from regenerative leadership to regenerative architecture, regenerative grocery stores, (laughs) regenerative transportation, right? Like how are all these ways that we continue to keep things circulating and not I was really
1: up. hoping if i was quiet you just keep mentioning random industries and say
0: regeneration it'll happen and i'm like it
1: will I, happen. I, work I can i can figure out blue or red pill when i remember what each means totally but, but speaking of blue or red pill as soon as regenerative came up with our interview with trey wow his his eyes lit up i could literally feel a light come on inside the room and from there i felt so focused and just like literally rooted in the conversation knowing that there was past energy that was flowing through me and future energy that was about to come as well. And normally I might not speak in such ways, but I I really felt connected.
0: I feel that from you. I love the enthusiasm and I definitely felt it too. And I think, and the way that Trey is really bringing this, so we talk about this mentoring in terms of like one-on-one or one person bringing Mm -hmm. this concept to another person. But Trey's bringing it into organizations. He's bringing it into educational opportunities broadly for teams, for individuals. So I think it, just the more that these kind of concepts get out, and the more that people, especially younger in their career, like they're really adopting these principles and looking at leadership in this regenerative standpoint. And I think it gives me a lot of hope, frankly, it's regenerative hope. It just keeps growing.
1: Even in these incredibly busy times where people say there's not really time for a new relationship, or, you know, I can learn what I need to learn from the internet. This most simple takeaway here is just be present in that moment. Just give yourself the opportunity to have 10 minutes, 20 minutes with someone. Just say, I'm not going to check anything else. I'm not going to think about anything else. I'm just going to listen to this individual and be there. We continually underestimate that the power of that time and that connection.
0: And I can always see my time with Trey. He's super tuned in. He's super, super tuned in. He's a busy mm-hmm. guy. He's got lots going on, but he's really tuned in and really committed to making an impact in the communities that he's a part of, from the business standpoint, but also within his community, within his family, within his faith. Um, he's really committed to that. So I feel really happy to have gotten the chance to meet him, to know him to work with him, and I hope our listeners really got a lot out of the conversation.
1: And at the very least, you're gonna connect more authentically with others just by being present in that moment with somebody else. Because as Trey said so clearly, leadership is not about jumping on the horse and riding in front of everybody else like Teddy Roosevelt at the Battle of San Juan Hill, being ready to lead as a team. So it's about being present in that moment and building that capacity within your entire organization that when something does come up, when there is something acute, it's not just one person who's going to run forward into the storm. It is going to be the entire group who's going to be able to lead individual efforts. It's the dynamos. The dynamos. Julie, do you know why bison run into the storm?
0: Because they're all together? Because they're not so smart? You could go with Lemming
1: Theorem, but it's because if you run into the storm, you will be in the storm for a shorter amount of time. If you run mm. with the storm, we're talking blue shift, red shift here, coming back to the matrix, you will be in the
0: storm for longer. I think that that is really helpful, but probably mostly for bison. Be the bison. <laughs> the However, bison.
1: they have been able to continue to exist for quite some time.
0: Mm, that's a challenge, those bison.
1: <laughs> so,
0: well, I so think they're a they very were, regenerative crew.
1: Yeah, I mean, they have played a huge part in American history. And when thinking about growing your potential, think about how different layers of yourself will always be present. And therefore the power of regeneration allows you to fit the next mold, fit the next need in your life, fit the next goal in your life by knowing that you can continually be a new self when something new is expected of you. It's powerful, super powerful.
0: Trust, it's trusting you have what you need.
1: And that when you run into the storm, you're trusting your team to get through to the other side.
0: Scary, not easy, but yeah especially if you have that sort of regenerative leadership perspective where you're all in it together.
1: Because if you think about it, jumping in the front and saying, hey, follow me is almost a cop out because Mm -hmm. either if it succeeds, you're able to take all the credit because you're the one everybody saw. You were the one being reckless. You were the one taking risks, whatever you want to call it. But that doesn't really give credit to your team. And if you fail, well, it's not going to matter to you because you're not going to be thinking much if you didn't make it up the hill as the leader. Yeah. So it, it's it's almost a selfish act in that way, as opposed to what's going to be likely the best way to galvanize your entire organization for success. And that's about putting power into everybody's hands. That's your manifesto, right there, Jimmy. And that's why, Julie, I don't think, and I'm happy I pushed back, which is rare, that this this episode isn't about resilience. This episode is about evolution. Do you know why, Julie, that this entire episode should be about evolution? I don't. Tell me. Because Dumbledore had a pet. I think it's our first Harry Potter reference on the the show. And Dumbledore's pet was a phoenix. Mm. Do you remember that phoenix's name? No, I didn't see it. Fox. And no, that's not something that runs through a park at night. And no, that's not... An F word I can't say on television. Just for Guy Fox, a revolutionary. Oh, so yes, right. Phoenixes, by definition, are regenerative, oh, and yeah. revolutions will always cleanse the
0: system. Wow, that is a lot for the end of this amazing Augmenters episode. But I feel like that is a mic drop. So I have to say, Jimmy, this was a pleasure to think through these really big ideas, Trey, and with you and be able to lead all together and get through the storm.
1: I really appreciate Trey being able to share in such a a steady way for advocating for teams and not
0: individuals. It's a big deal. Totally. Totally. That's what we're here for. Augmenters out. Augmenters out. Wow, you've made it this far. And we thank you. Hopefully you enjoyed our episode and discovered new ways to bring more authentic connection into your mentoring relationships. Want to tell them more, Jimmy?
1: Be an Augmenter with us. Visit our website for the best interactive mentoring content at augmenters.us. Share our podcast with someone you care about. Like and subscribe. And yes, really, you following our show and writing a review, it's a big deal. Your actions provide us with the resources to continue our undefeated, unencumbered, prize-winning productions. We welcome questions and suggestions via email, hi at augmenters.us, or on social with our handle at augmentershq. We are most active and available on LinkedIn and YouTube. Shout out and earnest thank you to our intrepid producer, Erlen Cato. We appreciate you. Augmenters
2: out.
0: See ya.